FWG News Podcast for April 2022. I'm Resolute Public Relations Officer for the FWG. And I'm Kate Shaw, Vice President of the Guild. Award season is almost over, and voting for the Kyoto Awards has closed. Now we wait, but not much longer. Winners will be announced at the Furry Down Under Convention at 2 p.m. local time, April 30th, which is next weekend as this episode goes live. Awesome. <laughs> so here is our market roundup for April. Um, not too many changes from March. We still have the two anthologies by Armored Fox Press seeking submissions, the Isekai Me, where protagonists or integral character must have been transported to a different world. Deadline is still winful. And then there is Children of the Night for Goth Furries. The Deadline, also winful. Then we have Oh Mer by Red Ferret Press. Deadline is ongoing and they have various themes throughout the year. And then there is Zoosscape for Fantastic Furry Fiction, open for submissions at SFWA rates. Then, in addition, the Voice of Dog podcast is always open to story submissions and is especially eager to feature diverse voices. As always, you can view our furry writers markets on the FWG website for more details and keep up to date on open markets and submission calls. And I'm happy to report that the Guild is very close to gaining official nonprofit status. So this is an exciting time since it will open up a lot of possibilities uh, to help members and grow the guild. We decided to wait just a few more weeks to initiate the process since officer elections are coming up. And on that note, if you are interested in running for any officer position, go ahead and post in the guild forum stating your intention by May 7th. There will be a link to the forums in the show notes. We can always use the help. Yeah, definitely. So next, we have an interview with our very own Resolute, Public Relations Officer of the Furry Writers Guild. Maybe you've heard of him. I haven't. <laughs> well, now you now you get to know him now, really well. Now I get to know myself for one, the first time. Thanks for joining us, Resolute. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> thank you for having me. <laughs> This isn't awkward at all. <laughs> oh, it's always oh, fantastic. I love it. Oh, my gosh. So April is Autism Awareness Month, which is why we thought you would be a good person to interview this month. Uh, would you like to share your experiences and how they've impacted your writing? Certainly. So it's not something that I've been as open as I think I want to be, but I am on the autism spectrum. You know, my parents noticed that I was kind of different from a very, very early age, but it wasn't until I was about 10, um, right around the turn of, millenni of the millennium, that I was formally diagnosed with um, Asperger's syndrome, which is now rolled into the um, autism spectrum. So that's been something that I have really spent my entire life, and thankfully my parents were were and are, but they used to be too, um, very supportive of, they wanted to see me succeed. They wanted to see me being able to live independently, being able to go to college, have a job, have a relationship, all of which were things that um, a number of people, including a 
behavioral psychologist at a mental hospital told my parents, oh, he'll never, you know, he'll never, don't expect much. Uh, he'll uh, never, yeah. Okay, never, I'm, can uh, I retroactively go back in time and punch that person just a little bit? Just sure. a little bit. My, oh, my, par- my parents uh, took exception to that. Good. It was like the guy, the guy basically told my parents, you know, just don't expect much. He's not going to be, he'll be lucky to graduate high school. He'll be, um, he'll never have a real job. He'll never have a relationship. He'll never be able to live independently. Joke on him the first is my parents then went to the head of the said hospital and laid out their grievances in putting Karen Powers to good use manner. And that guy was no longer allowed to see me. <laughs> yes, good. Because he was doing more damage than good to you. Yeah. <laughs> and joke on him, the second is I have done all of those things. So mm-hmm. You are awesome. Thank you. There are definitely struggles. I mean, it is in some ways, and I think that this is something where I really want to dig into more in the autism self-advocacy and, you know, the autism awareness groups that are actually run by autistic people instead of by parents and concerns folks um, who then spend all their money on advertising. I'm not going to name any names of (laughs) who speaks for the autism instead of letting the autism speak for itself. Not naming any names. (laughs) You know, there are definitely still struggles. It is, in large part, it is not so much that I have difficulties and suffer from being autistic. It is more so that I have difficulties and and occasional suffering from the world just not being set up in a very hospitable manner. Yeah. Things like large, noisy crowds... Um, really any loud sustained noise, flickering lights, um, drive me up the wall, very, just various sensory issues, kind of cool. It's kind of a comorbidity with ADHD. So I have a lot of the executive dysfunction, you know, starting projects, um, keeping up steam on them. Um, I'm very good with routines once I have them. But if they are broken or if I don't keep up with them, then I have difficulty as well. So that's kind of where my current struggles are, is I have been able to overcome a lot of the difficulties that are outwardly presenting. Like I have fairly good eye contact, body language, etc. I'm able to understand like idioms, sarcasm, like back in... Back 20 years ago when I was, you know, 10 years old or whatever, if you had said something like, oh, you're making a mountain out of a molehill, I would have been looking around for, I would literally have been looking around for a molehill. Oh, wow. Or hit, hit a nail, you know, you hit the nail on the head. It's like, what nail? What, what, what did I hit? <laughs> <laughs> um, I think that, I think that's kind of where my love of, puns and wordplay and everything comes in because I was able to dig into that and now it's kind of coming back around to okay I've figured all that out now I'm taking I'm sure many of my friends will say perverse joy in (laughs) deploying horrible horrible puns 
it's been a journey. It is still a journey. Um, mm-hmm. I want to, I wish I could be able to give like a whole speech on, oh, this is what autism is like. This is what everyone needs to do to support us. And unfortunately, I have not gotten enough research in depth to be able to say on any level, okay, you know, this is what autism awareness, autism acceptance needs to be, needs to look like. And I, that's probably one of the things I want to do this year here is start getting more into that. One of the things I was going to ask you, and this really wraps right into it. Um, I, I wrote out a question and now I'm like, well, but that sounds so stilted. But I, I do have, I have close friends and family members who are autistic. And mm-hmm. um, for me, I've noticed that they have a really wonderful, creative way of looking at the world. And I think that's important for any society. I, I think that's amazing to be able to approach something with a different direction. Um, and that leads to a lot of creativity in other ways. So have you found that to be the case with you? I mean, just going from your puns, that's uh, punning is creativity. So, and your writing, of course. But have you found that to be the case among with you and, you know, anybody else, you know, who is on the spectrum? Yeah, I have. You know, again, it's like the whole, you know, autistic people are not a monolith. There are, it's a spectrum. It's, you know, and then people are different on top of that. But by and large, it does not surprise me at all that a lot of autistic folks are creative because I'm not sure if we, you know, we kind of live in our heads a lot is the best way to put it. But um, very strong imagination, at least from my experience, being able to just create things and very much getting involved in other people's worlds. But then it's also kind of the thought process in many ways is a lot of people you'll see like they'll go A to B or A to B to C. And like even if they're going straight from A to C, you can kind of see that. Whereas with me, at least, I can be going from A to B to C to D to D and then going down the list a bit. And it'll seem like I have just jumped a completely different topic. (laughs) <laughs> but um, and it's more of like, you know, talking about cats and, um, you know, cats are fun. Cats like to jump and my brain likes to jump around to different topics. And I wonder how that plays into creativity and jumping into creativity. And then and you follow that down the tracks a bit until you're at, oh, I'm going through, um, you know, 60 tabs worth of research for the story I'm writing. And you're like, we were just talking about cats. How did you get there? <laughs> Makes sense to me. I mean, you just described it. But <laughs> mm-hmm. so the, the joke I tell is it's people have talk about their train of thought that, you know, starts out somewhere and goes to a predetermined destination on the set of rails. And it's pretty, pretty, pretty predictable. It's nice. I have a Roomba of thoughts. It'll go go in a more or less straight line, but if it bumps into something, it's going to change direction. That's a wonderful image, though. I love that. (laughs) I'm I'm kind of tempted to, once I get disposable income, sticker income again, get like a sticker or a little sketch of (laughs) Resolute just running around, you know, doing the cat thing on the Roomba. 
beeping, <laughs> beeping every time I run into something. Yes. <laughs> As one does. <laughs> so do you have any advice for artistic writers who are just starting out or, or maybe who are established and, you know, having trouble with certain aspects of uh, not just writing and completing work, but maybe even submitting work to different markets, things like that? Well, if you're established and submitting work, you're pretty much where I'm at. That's, that's great. Let's compare notes because we're probably both struggling and that's okay. <laughs> I would say for more for autistic writers that are just starting out. And this really goes for just about any writer that's starting out. But I would say don't be afraid to put words down on the page because that is just how the writing happens. Find out what methods work for you, just that come more naturally, come easily. Like for example, I don't do well with various story outlines because I'm sitting here going, okay, what is an inciting incident? How does that work in the context of the story? And I just end up spinning my wheels endlessly. But what I do instead is I just start out with, okay, maybe I've got the general plot idea, I've got ideas of characters, I've got a couple scenes in mind, and I just write kind of a long-form outline, rough, it's kind of like a draft 0.5 of the story, because I find it easier to just go through and write it, not having to stress about the prose not having to stress about, okay, what exact words am I putting in here? Just being able to get the story itself, the soul spirit of the story itself onto the page. And then from there, I can take that and go, okay, I'm going to start my actual rough draft and actually put the words in, but I've got it mostly figured out. Because otherwise, if I don't outline, I've found that I can get to a point where it's like, okay, what happens next? And I get stuck. So figure out what works really well for you. Figure out what gets you stuck. Don't be discouraged at getting stuck or when you have drawbacks or if you decide, oh, I don't want to write this story anymore. That's fine. It's all practice. And it doesn't have to be perfect the first time. As a matter of fact, it will not be perfect the first time. So just don't worry about that. <laughs> and... At the end, when you are ready to put it out there, don't be don't be afraid of what other people think, and have someone else, you know, a trusted friend or something, read the comments and reviews if you want. That way, if you're getting negative advice, you're not going to be taking it personally. You have a buffer there where you can go, okay, they are attacking or they are going after something that is, you know, that I put out, but they're not going after me as a person. On top of that, the other thing that I would recommend is take care of your mental and physical health. And again, this just goes for any writer, but, you know, especially us neurodiverse, neurodivergent writers of various stripes, is take care of yourself because the whole struggling artist archetype meme is crap honestly. I mean, yeah. hard experiences, stress, etc., they can be definitely sources for creativity down the road, 
But when you are going through a crunch, you're not going to be having your you know best creativity. It's kind of, it's kind of like with any other with like performance art or dancing or even just you know walking down the street. If you are tense, if you are um, stressed, if you are having difficulty, you're going to be having a hard time with everything. And especially with creativity, because that comes from very much within. And so be able to take care of yourself, be able to kind of shore up that foundation of yourself, because that's what you're going to be standing on when you're building the windows into these other worlds for other people to look in. You know, I had several years of dry spell in my late 20s, early 30s because of depression, life stress, etc., where I maybe finished one story, two stories at most. It just, it was hard. It was not fun. It was, but it wasn't my, it was my fault in a sense. It was kind of more a fault in myself that once I was able to work on that, once I was able to, you know, shore up that foundation, okay, now the creativity is coming back. Now I have many, many words and it's an entirely different problem. It's a good problem, but <laughs> I don't know where I ended up writing 30,000 words in the course of a couple months here, but. Oh my gosh, <laughs> that's fantastic. Thank you. Is it short stories or a book? Uh, it's all in one story, which was going to be kind of like a novelette, but now it's definitely in novella territory. Yeah, <laughs> that's great. That's fantastic. So where can people find your writing? So right now, I mostly have my writing posted on Sofuri, um, Resolute on Sofuri. I need to start posting more of it on Fur Affinity as well. And then I also need to look into Wattpad and maybe a couple other places. I am sort of planning to start a Patreon as kind of a tip jar type of thing. I'm not regular enough to start posting my work, you know, have something to post every month type of thing. But having people somewhere that people can go, oh, here, I shall throw money at you. Um, <laughs> and I will go, ow, thank you. <laughs> Could it not have been dollars instead of change? <laughs> ne next time, please, please, less hard currency. Thank you. <laughs> but yeah, I, I also do have one story published in the Feral Anthology that Fur Planet did a couple of years ago. Well, thank you so much for joining us this month and also every month. <laughs> <laughs> Close. That was close. Yeah. For the blooper reel, I was drinking water, and she's Kate, Kate is just cracking, cracking, cracking up a bit, and I'm oh just like, God. okay, I need to stop drinking right now because <laughs> I feel a little giggle coming. It's funny because before we started recording, I was really tired, and now I'm still really tired, but I'm also really punchy. <laughs> I know that feeling exactly. For more information about what's going on in the Guild and the larger furry community, or for information about joining the Guild, visit our website at furrywritersguild.com. You can find furry market listings, links to our Discord and other social media, and the forums, which are open to everyone. Thanks for listening to the FWG News Podcast. Until next time, if you're looking for a sign to start writing, this is it.
stonks. 